Tonight's scripture reading is taken from Revelations, chapter 14, verse 13. Revelations, chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We are thankful for the opportunity that we have tonight to be together. It is a cold night, but we are grateful that we have a warm building to worship God in. And we're thankful for your presence. And we want to encourage you to come back and be with us on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for our Bible study. And let me just very quickly remind you, if you have a question for our Wednesday night Bible study, if you would please get those questions to me, I would appreciate it. If you would just take the time to jot down whatever questions you have, and we will strive to the best of our ability to address those on Wednesday evening uh, beginning this week. Tonight I want us to look at Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. We're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. I want to talk to you tonight about the subject, the death of a saint. You and I, we live in a world in which death is a daily occurrence. All of us are going to one day walk the corridors of death. It may very well be sooner rather than later. But in Revelation chapter 14, at verse 13, I believe that John provides for us confidence for the future. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at verse 13 of chapter 14 as we consider the theme, the death of a saint. The first thing that I would call your attention to has to do with our passing. And really when we talk about our passing, we are talking about our death, our demise. And we know that biblically speaking, that death is a separation. I am well aware of individuals that will sometimes make the claim that they have died only to have been resuscitated and brought back to life, and then they talk about their near-death experience. It may be the case that, clinically speaking, someone has been pronounced dead. It might very well be the case that from a medical vantage point, that someone is declared dead on the operating table. But biblically speaking, Death is the separation of the body and the spirit. In James chapter 2, verse 26, James said, The body without the spirit is dead. Biblical death entails the separation of that inward spirit and the outward man. That is, Biblically, when you and I walk the corridors of death, we are not coming back to planet Earth. There will be no resuscitation. Once we're dead, we're not coming back. And I think that's borne out in the Bible. Certainly James stresses that 
in chapter 2, verse 26, there is this separation of the body and the spirit. Now, the Hebrew writer said, It is appointed unto man once to die. After this cometh the judgment. And that's found in Hebrews chapter 9 at verse 27. What about death? What about how death impacts those of us who comprise the human family? Did you know that the history of man is the history of death? For example, in the book of Genesis in chapter 5, if you go to Genesis chapter 5 and you begin reading, there is an interesting expression that is used some eight times. And that expression is simply this, and he died. Over and over again, this statement is made, and he died. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 at verse 2, that there is a time to be born and a time to die. And so we know that death is a common reality. Job said in Job chapter 14 at verse 1, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Our tenure here upon planet earth is brief at best. As a matter of fact, in Job 14 at verse 2, he said that we come forth like a flower, but then fade away. I think stressing the brevity of human life. James asked the question, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanishes away. The psalmist in Psalm 90 contrasts the eternal existence of God to the brevity of man. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 90, the psalmist said, From everlasting to everlasting thou art God. And then he said, A thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, like a watch in the night. God is not constrained by time. You and I, we are constrained by the limitations of time. In Psalm 90 at verse 10, the psalmist said, The days of our years are threescore and ten. And he said it may be the case that we live to be fourscore years of age. We may live to be 70 or 80 years of age. We may exceed that. But he said there is strength, sorrow, and labor. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. So we're not here forever. You and I, we understand that death preys upon the human family regularly, daily. In John chapter 11, we find Jesus being moved to tears at the death of a friend by the name of Lazarus. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 11, we read of Mary and Martha, two sisters in mourning over the loss of a loved one. And that scene has been multiplied time and again on earth. What about our existence? What about the brevity of life? Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 at verse 5, 
that at death man goes to his eternal home. He further stated that at death the body returns to dust from whence it was taken and the spirit to God who gave it. And so we understand that death is a reality. It is a part of life. And sadly all of us have felt the sting of death at the loss of loved ones in days gone by. And so John said in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead. As I said a moment ago, the dead has to do with our passing, our separation. In light of the brevity of human life, the psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We would do well to realize that we're not going to be here forever. And because we're not going to be here forever, we want to make adequate preparation for eternity. So now let's think in the second place. Note, if you would, what John says in verse 13. Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. The second thing that I would call your attention to is the word place. John here is talking about the death of a saint. That is, an individual who dies in a saved condition. Listen again. Blessed are the dead who die where? In the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to die in the Lord. And I suspect that you do too. We want to live in such a way so that one day, when we step out onto the plains of eternity, we are with the Lord. What about the idea of dying in the Lord? Salvation is in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10. And the only way that you and I can get into Christ is by obeying the gospel of Christ. Paul said the gospel is God's power unto salvation in Romans 1 verse 16. That's why we preach the gospel because the power is in the message and not in the messenger. The Hebrew writer said that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so this is the word that will save the souls of men. That's why in the first century, those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They were proclaiming a word that would save. And that's the same word that we preach and teach today. But what about our options in this life? In other words, there are basically a couple of options open to us with regard to to death. Now I'm talking primarily about our spirituality. There are a lot of people in our world today that talk about being spiritual people. They're not talking about being Christians. They're not talking about being members of the New Testament church. But they want to be spiritual people. Well, there's a sense in which, spiritually speaking, we are either going to die in Christ or outside of Christ. The first option would be 
to die as a saint. And we're talking about the death of a saint. Who is a saint? A saint is a person that has put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Do you remember what the Apostle Peter said in Matthew chapter 16? When Jesus asked, Who do you say that I the Son of Man am? And Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because Luke said in Acts 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If we're going to be saved, we must be saved in and through Jesus Christ. So we have to have faith in him. But then also we have to repent, that is, turn from a life of sin. On Pentecost Day, when Peter preached the first gospel sermon, the Bible says that those who were assembled in Jerusalem were pricked or cut to the heart. And they cried out unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent. That is, they had to make some changes. They had to give up a life of sin. But then also we confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Like the eunuch as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 8, when he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And then also we must be baptized into Christ. Now I said a moment ago that salvation is in Christ. Most people, religiously speaking, would agree with me that salvation is in Christ. But the point of difference is how we get into Christ. We get into Christ by being baptized into him. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, For you are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, that system of faith. And so, that system of faith makes us what? A son of God. How? By obeying the gospel. And so in verse 27, he could say, As many of you, as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. In that sphere, he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ, and if you're Christ, you're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The promise going all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God said to Abraham, in thee shall all nations or families of the earth be blessed. Now, a saved person has done that. Nowhere in the Bible do we read of a sinner's prayer. And I believe that there are a lot of sincere, honest, good people that believe the way we become a Christian is by saying the sinner's prayer. Read the book of Acts and note those ten cases of conversion. Nowhere in the book of Acts do you ever read of someone praying to the Lord for salvation. That is, accepting the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart as their personal Savior. But you do read of people that have been baptized into Christ, and once a person is baptized, then they enjoy salvation, Mark 16, 16. They appropriate the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. 
They have their sins washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. They are members of the body of Christ, Acts 2, verse 47. Now, once a person becomes saved, then they have to stay saved. Well, how do we stay saved? Well, James said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he has been tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. In other words, we have to live a faithful life. We have to bear fruit in our Christian life. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. John 15, verse 8. One of the ways that we bear fruit is by living a holy life, according to Romans chapter 6. But we are the kind of people that are living faithful to God. Does that mean we're perfect? Does that mean that we're never going to sin, that we're never going to fall short? Of course not. In 1 John chapter 2, John said, My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. That's the divine ideal, that we rise above sin. But he... He continues by saying, But if any man sins, let him know he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So when we sin, we turn to God through repentance, and the blood of Christ washes away our sins. Now, you and I, we can die as a saint. In Hebrews chapter 11, at about verse 13, we read of those individuals who lived a life or lived lives of faith and obedience. And the Bible says in about verse 13, these all died in faith. That is, they had lived in harmony with the will of God, and thus they stepped out into eternity to be with the Lord. So we can die as a saint, but there is another option. We could die as a sinner. Now, somebody might say, well, we're all sinners. Well, that's true. We are. Paul said in Romans 3, verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you see, the difference between an alien sinner and a saint is a saint has the blood of Christ availing in his or her life. An alien sinner does not. That person has never appropriated the blood of Christ. They've never basked. In the grace of God, they've never tasted the mercy of God. And so they are alien sinners. And Paul said concerning those who are outside a covenant relationship with the Lord in Ephesians 2 at verse, verse 12, he said they are without hope and without God in this world. Now, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ, the Bible would classify you as an alien sinner. That is... You've never tasted the blessings of Christianity. You've never appropriated the blood of Christ. Now, you could die as an alien sinner. But if you die as an alien sinner, to borrow the words of Paul, you have no hope. You're without God. There's also another possibility. And that is, you could die as an apostate saint. Now, here's a person that has obeyed the gospel. They are members of the church, but they are wayward in their conduct. They're not faithful to the Lord. For whatever reason, they've gone back into the world. Peter pictures that very person in 2 Peter chapter 2. He said in about verse 15, they have forsaken the right way. Imagine somebody 
having been baptized into Christ, leaving the Lord's church, leaving all of those spiritual blessings, the fellowship that is in Christ and with the people of Christ. They've gone back into the world. In verse 20, Peter said, If after we have escaped the, corrupt, the corruptions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to wallowing in the mire. What a repulsive picture. And Peter here is graphically describing a person that is a member of the Lord's church but has chosen to go back into the world. And bear in mind, Peter said, it would have been better for them to have never known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. We talk about responsibilities. When you obey the gospel, you have great responsibilities resting upon your shoulders. That's why Jesus said in Luke 14, you better count the cost. Before you obey the gospel, you need to know what you're doing. You need to understand the commitment that is involved in becoming a child of God. It's not something to be entered into lightly. Eternity hangs in the balances. And so these are the options. We can die as a saint, or we can die as an alien sinner, or as an apostate saint. Or rather, yeah, an apostate saint, I'm sorry. But only those who are faithful saints are going to go home to be with the Lord. Thirdly, look at Revelation 14, 13 again. In Revelation 14, 13, John said, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Now we're talking about our prosperity. That is the serenity that is afforded us at death. How do you view death? Most of us would rather not think about physical death. But from a positive standpoint, there are some things to consider that give us hope for the future. Now John describes death and the death of a saint as a place of rest. In other words, those who die in Christ, they are at rest in the Lord. Think about for a moment where you and I will be a hundred years from now. Chances are all of us are going to be in eternity. I would say that in light of that fact, where we live today is immaterial. 
What kind of clothes we're wearing? Not really that important. How much money we have in the bank? That's relatively unimportant as well. But what is important is whether or not we have been a faithful child of God. Because you see, a hundred years from now, we want to be, if the Lord delays his coming, we want to be in the bosom of Abraham or in paradise, as Jesus said in Luke 23, verse 43. We want to go home to be with the Lord. Think for a moment about the life of the Apostle Paul. How did Paul view death? Did he look at death as something to be viewed negatively? Was death something that he dreaded facing? In Philippians chapter 1 at verse 21, he said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In verse 23, he said, To depart and be with Christ is far better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, We know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be destroyed or dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And because of that, he said, We groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our home, from heaven. In verse 8 of that same context, he said, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, at some point in time, you and I, we're going to walk the corridor of death. We're going to step out onto the plains of eternity. My prayer is that we would go to be with the Lord that we would be at rest. At rest from what? Well, listen again to the words of John. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. Let me call your attention to a passage of Scripture found in the book of 2 Corinthians. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul speaks of his labors on behalf of Christ. In verse 23, he writes, In labors more abundant. Think about all that Paul did during his earthly ministry. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. In deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. You want to talk about an individual who spent his life in service to the Lord? 
You think about all of the, the things that he encountered in this life in those summary notes in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, the great burdens that he bore, the persecutions that he faced, the labors that he was engaged in on a regular basis, and then at death he could lay all of those things aside and be at rest with the Lord. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, I'm already being offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. At some point in time, won't it be nice to just be at rest? I read of a preacher on one occasion who said that if I recall correctly, he kept a picture of a candle burning at both ends on his desk. He was a very busy evangelist, laboring and serving. He died of cancer at, I guess what we would call an early age, in his 60s. But he literally burned the candle at both ends. But you see, the beauty of living a Christian life is at some point in time, we can lay aside all of these labors, all of these heartaches, all of these toils, and be at rest. And so John said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. And then there's a fourth thing. This has to do with our performance or our service. Note what John says, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Now, there are two types of works that you read about in the Bible. There are works that do not save, and Paul speaks of those in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And then there are works that do save, or there are works that complement our Christianity. In other words, they are an expression of our Christianity. Paul said in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The Christian life is to be characteristic of good works. We are to be zealous of good works as Paul teaches in Titus 2 at verse 14. We are to be ready unto every good work, Titus 3 at verse 1. But what about our works? What about the things that we have done for the cause of Christ? Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why, Paul? For as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. You see, what you do for the cause of Christ is very important. It's not something to be taken lightly, but rather the Lord is pleased. The Hebrew writer said that the Lord is not unrighteous to forget our work and what? And labor of love. Why do we visit the sick? 
Why do we give to those who are in need? Why do we engage in the various works of the church? Because that's what the Lord wants us to do. And the things that we do for his cause are remembered by him. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus pictured the judgment? He spoke of coming in all of his glory with his holy angels and being seated upon the throne of his glory. And then he said, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, he would begin to divide those who were assembled before his throne. As a matter of fact, he said, all nations will be gathered before him. To those on the right hand, he would say, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. For I was hungry, and what? You fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was sick and in prison, and you visited me. That's what Christianity is all about. Sometimes individuals have the idea that if they just come to worship, that they're doing all that the Lord expects. That's, that's just the starting point. Christian, Christianity goes beyond the pew. Christianity entails a life of service. And Jesus asked the question, is the servant greater than his Lord? Jesus came to serve. As a servant, he expects us to serve. And so... John said, our works, they follow us. Interestingly, in Revelation chapter 20, when John speaks of the great and final judgment of God, he said, every man shall be judged according to his works. And so, we labor for the cause of Christ because we know that there are rich rewards to be garnered. Let me close by asking this question. If you died tonight, would you die as a faithful saint? Would you die as a Christian? Would you die as a child of God? Now we said that there are some possibilities. You could die as a saint, or you could die as a sinner, as an apostate, saint or an alien sinner. My prayer would be that you would die in the Lord. I think about conducting funeral services. It's always easier to conduct the funeral service of a faithful Christian because you always have a lot to say. But when somebody dies who is outside the Lord, there's just not a lot you can say beyond trying to comfort the family and beyond trying to encourage them to live for the Lord. What about you tonight? John pictures the death of a saint. You and I, we have a beginning point. In other words, we've been born into this world. It may be that you have a tombstone right now, and that tombstone is in the cemetery and the only thing that it awaits is a date that simply says when you died.
You see, there's a beginning point and there is an ending point. And life is in between. What about you? Will you die as a saint? If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, do what they did on Pentecost Day. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you're unfaithful, come home to the Lord. Come back this very hour. Do not go home tonight. Do not leave this place in an unsaved condition. Would you come as we stand and sing?